1: flushcarecom slash weight loss.
2: Can you see it? Did you know
1: this? Checked, when the punt comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moment's notice,
2: Adams
0: You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
1: Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. Really? We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What our Pearl steals, Pearl Steels cutting in, shoots,
0: scores! Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic use promo code hockey season capital H capital S all one word hockey season that will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic Z-E-P-H-Y-R epic check them out on all platforms Facebook Twitter Twitch Instagram they have got you covered for all of your trading card needs no matter what that is. Zephyr Epic has got you covered. Local company, they've got a location out in Surrey. And the best part about Zephyr Epic is they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order
1: online from... From Mill Bay to Moosomin, Saskatchewan. Okay. Elaborate. Southeast Saskatchewan, Musomin, Moosomin, M-O-O-S-O-M-I-N. Moosomin. okay. Moosomin. 2,500 people live there. Like I said, it's in the very southeast of Saskatchewan. They have a pretty famous person living in this 2,500, though, quads. Brock Lesnar, wrestler, lives there. What? In Moosman. Yeah. I knew that he lived in Saskatchewan or, like, up in Canada somewhere. Didn't know that this is where it was. This is just what the Wikipedia site says. It's apparently where Brock Lesnar lives.
0: Like, he lives there now.
1: Yes. He wasn't, like, born there, but he lives there. Why? I don't know. I've heard, that, uh, I've heard that he likes to do a lot of hunting up in, uh, in Saskatchewan and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Okay. So the, um, the now home of Brock Lesnar and the former home as he was growing up there, Dave Tippett. Ah, yes. Okay. Mooseman, in Saskatchewan. Just pulled this one out of nowhere, and it uh, it had a good little hit there. Nice little connections. That was a very fun fact. I'm glad you brought that to the table
0: today. It's nice to have you back in you studio. See,
1: um, so this, as we're on the topic of Brock Lesnar here, and we have to kill eight minutes before we get to the 10-minute mark, do you see Logan Paul is in uh, WWE now all of a sudden? I did see that. What's poor WWE, eh? I
0: don't think it's poor WWE. Really? I think we'd have to have Justin set on the show, but I think WWE's mismanaged for years and or they to a they point have where they been just have mismanaged.
1: to bring in youtube guys well, to yeah like, draw a crowd That's the thing tough. is
0: is like they lost you know they lost cm punk obviously they lost uh brian danielson daniel Bryan to aew and now they have competition i don't think it's poor wwe i think it's there's finally competition for wwe and there hasn't been for years and now mm-hmm. we're seeing the effects of it i don't know I would have to talk to someone who actually like knows and cares about wrestling, but I don't think it's. Poor I've WWE. seen uh,
1: your girl Addison Rae. She's been doing WWE stuff for years now too, so they're getting to the the you guys the youth the youths you and uh, your TikTok. Speaking
0: stars. of WWE, you uh, or Kevin Owens, your doppelganger man, he looks a lot like you. Yeah, I know. Holy smokes! Anyway, uh, snuck up on Bruce Boudreaux at the draft. And it was so funny because I posted uh shout out Lisa, Lisa listener of the show. Um, I posted a photo of the Kevin Owen surprising Bruce Boudreau at the draft. And I said, Holy cow. Can't believe, uh, at Chris Favor 39 snuck up on Bruce Boudreau like that. And Lisa listener of the show replied and said, uh, uh, Oh, can we get the full story on the podcast? Thinking <laughs> It was actually you. Cause you do look a lot like him. You yeah. really do.
1: No, I've heard that before that, uh, that would be a very easy, uh, Halloween costume, but, uh, Yeah, they paid me 20 bucks and said, hey, go act like Kevin Owens and walk up to Bruce Boudreaux. So, you know, took that 20 from Aquilini and walked (laughs) over and uh, made some good TV.
0: It was good TV. And and the draft was good TV. But before we get to that,
1: we have to mention that we're also delivered by DoorDash. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. That's all I heard when I was in Montreal getting DoorDash orders sent over to me. Okay. (laughs) Are you going to elaborate on that? No, I just, uh, (laughs) people saw the DoorDash reviews, right? I think so. Well, we don't need to do the whole ad on this show. This one, well, pro, okay, promo code settle uh, down. Convo DD. You can check out the videos on Canucks Army, though. Capital That's where C, the real stuff.
0: Capital is. D's, all one word, Convo D, twenty five percent off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app.
1: Yeah, I, I crushed the videos. I got a I got a note from the DoorDash folks saying that they liked the videos. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did.
0: That's hilarious
1: because I I pointed out that nobody approved that idea you just went with it like you yeah you kind I of was just... told to live and <laughs> showcase the lifestyle that I was living there and because I was doing so much work and being in the hotel so much I was I had to do quite a bit of door dashing I was able to get out and uh, have a couple poutines and you know check out a few other places as well Montreal is like here's the thing about Montreal it's basically just like a really big Victoria like I grew up ah. uh you know go to and Cam Robinson and I had a good chat about this quite a bit actually that it's just like it's very much Victoria vibes, but just, like, a much bigger city. And the roads in freaking Montreal, dude, hell no. I think Vancouver is such an easy city to drive in now after yeah. seeing what they deal with in Montreal. There's, like, you're in the downtown, like, part, and there's... Basically, like there's no lanes. Like it's there's wide enough for like three lanes, but there's no like market Cars are just going and going, and like you just kind of make your own lanes, and you're cutting people off, and the Uber drivers. It's wild, man. Like wow, I couldn't believe it. And I don't know, like how many people is Montreal a bigger city than Vancouver? Oh, I I'm the wrong person to ask. I feel like I feel like it is. It's bigger than Victoria. Well, this I'm for sure. I I I know that for sure. But like, so you say Victoria vibes, eh? Yeah, I just kind of like the. Is way there like that a was. wax museum or anything? No, uh, the, but there's a lot of people on bikes. So that's for damn. A shit. very
0: controversial
1: museum, perhaps. I love Victoria vibes. You know that. So, Montreal is much bigger like 4.2 million in the greater Montreal area. Vancouver, 2.6 million. Wow. That's okay. according to Wikipedia, which has never done me wrong when it comes to cities.
0: Wikipedia is great because anybody in the world can post anything, so you know you're getting the best information. So
1: Todd and uh, Mooseman, probably just, he's the one updating the Montreal population. Brock and Mooseman. Or Brock, too, yeah. Either or. <laughs> All right, so you had a good time in Montreal.
0: Uh, our coverage at Canucks Army was top notch, if I do say so myself. Uh, you uh, you had a good time in Montreal. That was good to see.
1: Yeah, Montreal was good. I, um... Sang karaoke as well. I, t- I don't think I nope, talked about this you in the didn't. Last pod.
0: You got two minutes
1: to explain why Ooh. you did that and how it's going to be on the Patreon. Yeah, Harmon actually recorded the whole thing from start to finish. Like I was, I felt like Harmon was like my dad at the talent show. Like he had like the, <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have had the light on for a little bit of the video too. Like he was standing like directly in front of the stage with just his camera. It looked absolutely hilarious. But yeah. I'd, had, uh, had a couple drinks. And did then you, did couple you sing
0: more. Hero by Enrique Iglesias? Because yeah. that's what you said is your go-to karaoke it, song. Yeah, I
1: told you that it was. And not a lot of people believed me that I was going to do it. But, yeah, I ended, uh, ended up going up there and doing uh, Hero by Enrique. So we're posting this on the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, okay. Harmon got the four-minute video of, like, start to finish. And uh, there's some swearing involved in there. So I can't play it on the pod no, here. No, we won't play it on the pod. But, it's Patreon.
0: Uh, Patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. Five and ten dollars tiers. Tiers. Gets you all the bonus content,
1: man. I'm like slurring my words right now. You haven't had your well, you haven't finished I, your coffee. I over haven't there.
0: finished my coffee, but I've got a lot to say. I've got a lot of thoughts on this draft, Chris, because you were in the draft in Montreal, and this is what I have written down for the show plan today. We're going to talk about what the heck happened with the Islanders and Canucks trade that almost was apparently, and then we're also going to talk about rating the Canucks fairly at the draft. So before we do that, the second part. We need to talk about the actual picks that were made. And I kind of default to you on this one. I'll talk about Ty Young because I've got some stuff on him. But the picks from the draft, Chris, Canucks make six selections. Obviously, Jonathan LaKaramaki falls to them in the first round. And, you know, that's a guy who was projected on a lot of boards to go in the top 10. And you have to assume on the Canucks board, he
1: was in the top 10 as well. Yeah, pretty much heard all of that from Patrick Alvin and Todd Harvey. That you know, they they wouldn't exactly say that he was a top ten player, but you know, there was a lot of excitement. Uh, Patrick Alvin said when he was beginning to slide. I, I didn't expect Karamaki to be there at fifteen, but it was great to see that he was able to do that. I think he's a. There was a spot where like the Canucks had options to trade down, like other teams were willing to trade up and draft Karamaki, but they were pretty happy with just making that selection, adding him to their prospect pool. He's a guy that's going to bring a lot, uh, offensively specifically, and I I can see him being on a power play a lot sooner than later uh, for Lekaramaki. So I want to ask
0: you, what made him slide? Like, Like, was there anything in his game, or is there anything in his game, that 14 previous teams, and I know obviously the top three and top five is kind of out of the question, but the teams previous to the Canucks, was there anything in his game that teams maybe looked at and said, this isn't a top 10 pick.
1: Well, I think they looked at centers. They looked at defensemen, like, you know, seeing uh, Korchinski and Matichuk and, and these type of like defensemen go first. It was, it felt like it was a very um, position of, you know, drafting by position quite a bit. I think that look felt like a top 10 prospect. He's probably a top 10 skilled player in this draft. And I think just the fact that he's like a, a smaller winger was the reason that he dropped down a little bit, but there's a real good chance this guy's in the NHL in a couple of years making an impact on your NHL roster more than there is with, you know, a potential defenseman that you had to kind of reach for a little bit. Like, you know, like Leon Bissell, who we really like, and he might end up being something really good. He went three picks later, and that was the next defenseman on the board. Like, it, the Canucks would could have gone that way, and I don't think it would have been the biggest stretch. But when you're looking at LeCarrie who – Was just excellent. Like, he was so sick going into – he was sick before he went to the U18s, and he ripped it up, and he put up 15 points in six games and led the whole tournament in scoring. After being sick, and he even talked about that tournament, he didn't feel that was his best tournament because it started tough for him, and then, like I said, he came into it sick, so he wanted to be better for it. Um, It's going to be interesting to watch him play. He won't be on the World Junior Team this uh, summer, but definitely expect to see him for the next two – uh, he'll be there in the winter and then probably the, the tournament after that as well because he's still only 17 right now. He's the youngest player drafted uh, in the first round of the draft. So lots to like offensively, but the reason for him sliding, I just think is because he's a five foot eleven winger, right? Like I think that's basically the reason why he slid. Um, So Canucks are lucky to add this type of player, and I think he's going to be able to jump into their power play pretty soon. That's the thing that you have to love about his game is like how he operates on the power play. Um, his smarts in the offensive zone are really at a high level. There's probably some things you want to see worked on when it's just like his commitment to defense. And I think being put into a higher role in the like he's going down a league, but he's going to be playing more minutes, uh, in the Alspenski next year. And I think if, if the coach really wants to rely on him being, um, one of the leaders that gets him back into the SHL, he's going to have to be committed to defense as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of grows his game at that point. I'm excited for the early morning games and, uh, Watch Mal Svenskin. I got another uh, Swedish or Russian prospect now to look at, so I'm excited for it.
0: Okay. Canucks don't have a second-round pick. They select Elias Petterson in the third round. And, folks, you're not mishearing that. You've already read it by now, I'm sure. Elias Pettersson left-shot defenseman who, Chris, the Canucks Army readers were pissed at you because in February, you said that he might be a seventh-round fun pick for the Canucks. His stock skyrocketed. For, I said
1: fourth to seventh.
0: No in the February article. Yeah, 4th
1: to 7th is where I had him in that. Oh,
0: article. okay. People were people were really jumping on the 7th. Sure, thing. yeah, I'm sure but they did. His stock did skyrocket since that since then. Can you explain why?
1: Um I just think that you saw the way that he kind of moved and the way that he played defense and there were some certain things that you really liked in his game. I think skating's the big thing and physicality is the other part of his game that you really liked and and honestly like yesterday we, we we're on the same flight yesterday. Waiting for our bags, and I'm standing beside him, and I'm like, he's six foot three, like he is. Elias
0: Patterson, you're standing next to him. Yeah, okay. uh,
1: and it's funny because so I'm standing there waiting for my baggage. Right, is that what you say? Waiting for my bags, anyways. Baggage. Um, yeah. So I'm waiting for the bags, and I just thought it was funny because there's a, there's a driver who's there to pick them up, obviously, and he's got like an Elias Patterson sign. And I was just thinking, I was like, it'd be, I'd like you'd think that maybe they'd put the Jonathan LeCair Mackey instead just because everyone would be like, oh, my God, Elias Pettersson's coming off the flight here. <laughs> like, let's we're going to get a chance to meet Elias Pettersson, then it's him. But I thought it was funny that the driver had that. Um, LeCair Mackey's a little bit smaller than I thought, too. Um, they were both on the same flight with me on the way back. Um, but Petterson is like, he's a big boy, man. Like, I um, I think Harvey even kind of said that in his post-draft availability was like, I think he thinks that some of the scouting sites have him a little bit smaller. I think they might be right like this guy looks um looks like he's definitely like six foot two at least like he's at least six foot two I think I've seen some mm. sites have him at six foot one like he was basically eye to eye with me um and I also just like I, I checked on those two to make sure they were okay like getting out of there to because like they're 17 year old kids man I was like I checked on them real quick just asked if they're okay they said they were just waiting for their sticks huh. uh when they were just waiting they were just standing around so I was making sure they knew where the driver was and stuff Um uh, but yeah, Patterson, I think that you have to like the physicality from him. You have to like the skating. Um, go see what he does next year. Um, can he get up to SHL minutes and be consistent in the SHL? That's going to be the big question. Uh, and if he's able to do that uh, and progress in a couple of years, I know there's a lot of guys specifically talking to some of the guys at Elite Prospects. Um, I know that um, their Swedish scout, Jimmy Hammerin, uh as well as Cam Robinson was chatting with them, and they're both very high on him, had him in the 50s. So um, I guess you could see that as some pretty good value for the Canucks getting him at 80 um and, and honestly, like they did really good if you just look at the Elite Prospects board. Uh the Canucks did excellent uh according to Elite Prospects. So I was talking to JD and Cam quite a bit, and they were they liked a lot of the picks that the Canucks did in the first I guess their first three picks in this draft.
0: Okay. Elise Patterson a lot of people looked at it and said, okay, this is a fun pick. But Was it, it looks, a meme
1: pick, like a little yeah.
0: bit? Yeah. Well, I, I feel like the name had to, had to have something to do with it, but right. I think it's a good pick regardless. Again, Todd Harvey, director of scouting for the Canucks, said, I like the heart. He's a guy that's going to put his body on the line to win games. Uh, he pointed to one instance in particular where he watched a game where Pedersen apparently was injured, and then he hopped over the boards to kill a five on three, and then he didn't play a shift the rest of the game. After killing off the five-on-three, and he was blocking shots the whole yeah. time. Uh, I I saw someone compare him to Chris Tanev, and that's a you know that's a pretty nice comparison for the kid to get. Okay, Damon Gardner is the next pick on the Canucks list, taken in the fourth round. Everybody thought he was going to the Chilliwack Chiefs originally because that's what elite prospects said, but you
1: have otherwise. Uh, yeah, I think I heard on, um, even though it's kind of hard to hear because Rodgers was down, which is just another day at 6.50, but um, they <laughs> they apparently told uh, Riccio and Sat, or he did, he joined the show and he told them that he was going back to the USHL. Uh, so that, I guess, is what we're going to hear from now. But also, like, the, these situations, I wonder if it just takes the right conversation from the Vancouver Canucks to make these players want to play in their backyard, right? The first one, obviously, being Jonathan Mackey being a... Uh, import draft pick of the Vancouver Giants. I think the other one with uh, Damon Gardner is with him being a Chilliwack chief. Like, the Canucks have a conversation with the player and say, hey, like, we can support you quite a bit with development. I think this is a better option for you. Like, I think just the one right conversation from the organization would mean a lot uh, to get to that point. So it, it, and if I'm just being honest, like, if the Canucks really want them to play – in Vancouver, Chilliwack, I think they can make it happen. But they would have to, like, really want to and maybe push the kid quite a bit. Um, I don't think it's specifically going to happen with LeCarrie Mackey because he's, like, you know, probably wants to go back to Sweden. He's kind of – he's 17, still so young. Um, I don't think he pushed him into that. But I, I don't know about Gardner. I think maybe that would be kind of interesting. But is the BCHO a league that's going to challenge him? Yep. Pro- probably not that bad. <laughs> like, I think he'll, You know I like the BCHL. Would, yeah, like, but I, I just – with him, I think that uh, he's another player that Elite Prospects had in the 50s. They had him at 54, which is, you know, that's a second-round pick in their eyes. So uh, some value could be found there uh, in the fourth round for the Vancouver Canucks with Gardner, and I'm excited to see how he kind of moves at development camp here. Uh, I know we'll talk about development camp at the end of the show, but a lot of these players kind of for me, it's just like I just need to see what they look like at development camp because all I've been able to do is, is see Gardner absolutely dominate people. Um, in the USHL or the United States High School League of Minnesota where he's just, like, overpowering everyone. He didn't look as good in the USHL when he played uh, a handful of games there. He was also playing on the wing Uh, when I saw him in the USHL just real quickly. So we'll be interested to see how he kind of shapes out and if he goes back to center next year.
0: All right. Next pick on the Canucks board is it's the goalie. Your guy. So you know what time it is.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have done that public knowledge. That's uh, that's a big no-no. I don't know. You know, I, I can't really give the time and date or
0: else I feel like Nona's shoe will be flying across <laughs> North America right and hit me in the head. We, I think we spent half an hour talking about a backup goaltender.
1: All right, get out of here, Woodley. All right, Favors going to be yeah. Favors
0: going to be very pissed. So, you know I don't like to say bad things about goaltenders. Alright, Ty Young Getting a lot of questions about this pick For the Canucks, it's a goaltender pick And Chris, it's the first year That I haven't correctly predicted Who the Canucks are going to select Because there was the Joel Blomquist And it came out later that the Canucks were interested in him Didn't get him, Pittsburgh got him uh, Then Aku Koskenvo obviously was a goaltender That I really liked last year, Canucks select him This year I had Nicholas Kako Who ended up going in the second round Which was a bit of a surprise to me uh, And Carlos Mezarks, the Latvian goaltender Who went undrafted So Not my best year For predicting Who the Canucks Are going to select Ty Young The backup goalie For the Prince George Cougars Of the WHL Gets selected by the Canucks The starter For the Prince George Cougars Went earlier in the draft Canucks take the backup for the Prince George Cougars, Ty Young. And I got a lot of questions about him, Chris. And I I had some time to dive into the tape. Admittedly, I hadn't watched him much before the draft at all, if I'm being honest with you. So I took my time before commenting on anything publicly. And I looked at the tape, Chris, and I guess all I can say is that this is a project goaltender through and through. This is somebody that Ian Clark believes in, and I'm going to be having a conversation with Ian Clark this week, uh, and it'll be up on CanucksArmy.com. I'll get a story out of that. Uh, at Development Cam, I'm going to get a chance to see uh, Aku. Uh, Archer Seelovs is going to be there. I'm going to get to see... Um Ty Young as well. I'm going to get to see all these prospect goaltenders, have a conversation with Ian Clark, you know, diving a little bit further into what the Canucks like so much about this guy and, you know, more specifically what Ian likes about this guy. Uh, But the public quote from Ian so far is that he's big and athletic uh, and he likes that about him. And again, this is kind of Similar to what we've seen with the Koskenvo pick, where it's, okay, maybe he's not doing things correctly in terms of stance and movement, but he's got those intangible qualities. I don't know. Like, I I see the athleticism. I understand what Ian's saying when he says he's an athletic goaltender, but I don't know if I see the same intangible qualities that I saw in goaltenders like like Seelovs, like Koskenvo in their draft years, right? And again, when I say that, I mean that ability to seal off the bottom of the net in the blink of an eye with the drop-down, right? Um, you know, the super low and wide stance, I I saw that in Seelovs in his draft year, and it's been corrected a bit under Ian, and, and he's, he's better off for it. With Koskenvo, I believed in him a lot more, and I liked him a lot more as a prospect because... His ability to just get flushed to the ice in a heartbeat is just ridiculous. Like, it's something rarely seen in goaltenders. And, you know, his ability to move around when he's dropped down into the butterfly, that's something Seelov's, that's something Koskenvo has. I don't know if that's something that Ty Young has. And anytime I did see it, it looked a little bit sloppy. So I'm really curious to see what this goaltender looks like at development camp. Again, I'm not. Completely sold again. This is a project goaltender. So it's hard to hard to give a definitive statement on him But all I will say is this is a project goaltender. I don't love what I've seen so far, but This is a project goaltender that Ian Clark believes in and he believes that he's able to work with and potentially turn into something here so that's all you can really say about a goaltender at this point in his career because look he's young Uh, He does a lot of things incorrectly, but he's going to get to work with Ian and he's going to get to try to kind of, you know, mold his game and start doing things correctly with the guidance of Ian Clark. But again, like, that's not a foolproof plan, everybody. Like, uh, I've explained this before, but, you know, I'm sure they've had an interview and I'm sure Ian has a good sense of what his work ethic is like, but not everybody, A, buys into what Ian sells and B. Not everybody's able to implement it or work at the rate that Ian demands of his goaltenders. You don't have to look much further than the mic'd up video of Ian Clark working Thatcher Demko at a morning skate to see what he expects of his goaltenders, and you could easily see how that could rub someone the wrong way if you're a goaltender. So again, I, I obviously believe in Ian Clark. Everybody, everybody should at this point that he can, you know, one, uh, mind talent, and B turn something that a lot of people look at and say this isn't a great pick. Like the Koskenvo and Silov's pick, I'm probably the only person that, you know, in the scouting community whatever, I'm not even part of that community, but that looks at those picks and says, oh, there's value there. Those are those are solid
1: picks. Yeah, I think the Koskenvo one, I think, had some – A lot of pushback. It wasn't – no, I think it was like that was a pretty good pick. I think so, but yeah. the
0: scouting community, like I still hear stuff well, from, I had from a good, people. I had
1: a good chat with J.D. Burke about it, and like their, their goalie department really liked Koskenvo as well. So I think he was one like this one is a pretty big shocker for me. Like this is one where it's like, would the Canucks have benefited from spending um, a fifth round pick on another player that they maybe liked a little bit more. And then using the seventh here on young, that's the way that I kind of look at this one.
0: I think the most surprising thing is that they used a fifth on him. Um, I think that's the most surprising thing because you have to assume that this goaltender is available in the sixth or seventh round.
1: And the other thing about Young is, I think he's only—he's a very similar spot to uh, Lucas Forsell where I think he's four days away from being a draft pick in the next year in next year's draft. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's—he's he's super young. He's one of the youngest players in this whole draft that got drafted. So you kind of look at maybe that's uh, something to take into account as well. Is like he hasn't had you know, an extra almost year of being able to develop as a goaltender, like some other goalies might've been able to. Um, so yeah, you, you kind of just hope that um, you hope, and not even just to say like hope, like I I do believe that Ian Clark knows what he's doing when he's evaluating a goaltender, you know, a hundred times better than what I'm doing. So I think at this point, when you watch the Canucks draft a goaltender, you just kind of have to um, just accept it. I just found it a little bit interesting to me that this guy was taken in the fifth when um, there was a lot of boards that didn't have Ty Young on their board anywhere. So yeah, exactly. it, to me, this is this a player you can find in the seventh? Maybe, maybe it makes a little more sense to go that yeah, way. Yeah, and again, or I'm even not even like trade down into the fifth round totally, for a couple totally. other picks, and then you have two swings, right? Yeah. And I again,
0: I don't, don't want to. You know, I'm not trying to rip on any anybody here because it's still early. Development camp is this week. We're going to be there. I'm going to get a good look at these goaltenders. I'm going to have a lot to say about
1: them. How excited are you for that? Because I'm excited to see the guys that I've been talking to for a long time. But you get to see, like, all of your – your what are they? The stable, my sons. My sons. Your stable of sons.
0: Yeah. I get to see Seelofs in person. I get to see all those guys uh, in person. Well, Again, you I've,
1: could have came out – if you came out to Adsford ever once last year, you could have watched Seelofs. Yeah, why would I do that? He was a, he was a <laughs> funny guy to uh, chat with the know, one interview we had. He's
0: a with good him. dude. um Okay, I, I'm just excited to see the goaltenders. I'll have a lot of reports and stuff throughout the week. Uh, okay, we were talking about late-round picks here. The final two picks, Chris, both used on defensemen. Now, neither of them are right-handed, and I think that's what came as a surprise to most people. Did that surprise you at all? Were you okay with that? Because they go with Jackson Dorrington in the sixth round, and they go with, oh boy, Kirill Kurdyatsev. Uh, who is represented by Dan Milstein, same agent as Danilo Klimovich yeah. and Andre Kuzmenko in the sixth and seventh rounds. I know you wanted to wrap this up, so go ahead and give me your scouting reports on those two guys. Yeah,
1: uh, just quickly, Dorrington's going to end up playing at Northeastern next year. Uh, when I talk to Aiden McDonough real quickly, he's going to be the captain uh, of Northeastern next year. Obviously, a Canucks prospect. He said that the defense core, uh, there's going to be opportunity there, and Dorrington might be a guy who can help sure up their top four. It's going to be probably like a, a season where it looks good for Dorrington as well. He's playing in front of the best goaltender in the NCAA in Devin Levi. So uh, expect to see like some pretty good returns from a lot of the fancy stat people that do their fancy stat tracking of NCAA. Dorrington's probably going to gain some attention for that. Uh, just be aware that he's playing in front of the best goalie in the NCAA probably. Potentially the best goaltender that's going to be like outside the NHL next year. Like, Devin Levi is nuts, man. I can't wait to see uh, what he can do in the next level. And then uh, Milstein's guy over here, Kraft. uh, I don't even have the words in front of me, so I'm not going to try and say it. Milstein's guy, uh, the defenseman. I heard from some scouts uh, at the draft that they really liked this kid a couple of years ago. Um, as he was kind of coming, making the decision to come over to the OHL, there was a lot to like about him breaking out the puck, which is exciting. And then his big body, uh, you know, he kind of grew a little bit into that body. I think he's six foot, 205 pounds. Uh, so he's a pretty thick guy. Uh, and we're going to see him, uh, get an opportunity to kind of, uh, go back to the OHL at least anyways, and may be able to make an impact on a team and, and have more minutes than he did last year. But for the things that I heard about him quickly, uh, and I will be diving into the tape, by the way, I got two big articles coming up. Um, First one's going to be on Elias Pedersen, uh, and then the next one is going to be on um uh, this guy here Milstein's guy uh I don't even know his name. I don't want to You're try You're going with the Dolly Wall Crafts you all over the, uh, He's coming up there anyways. They're going to have a big report on him um and in the next coming days here we'll see how he looks at uh, training camp as well but uh
0: Kudryavsev Okay, so I'm just going to spell this Kudryavsev yeah, that works. Yeah. K u d r y a v t s e v.
1: Sue Greyhounds of the OHL. Sue, okay, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm gonna watch a lot of his tape um in the next 48 hours here and have something for Canucks Army. Yeah, it'll be uh, good. We're gonna get to yeah, develop. I, I like that pick. I I think the Dorrington one comes out of nowhere a little bit. Like I I don't know, man. I there was a lot of players that I still really liked that were available. And there was a couple players that I really liked that went undrafted. Like I can't believe Elmeri Laxo went uh, undrafted. This guy was like, I I seen him popping up in like third rounds of certain people's rankings. And I loved the way that he moved with the pucks. I don't know. Maybe there's certain things that people um, saw or talked with him and didn't like, but I was surprised to see some of these players go instead of them. But, um, I like the connection, obviously, going to Northeastern. Um, and then Milstein's guy, we'll have to see. Like, there was a lot of promise, I guess, coming from him uh, to pen- potentially be like a pretty high pick in this draft. But he didn't really live up to expectations when he did come over to the OHL. So um, maybe he can find it. Uh, that might be a nice little seventh round pick. There's one thing we love at uh, at Canucks Army it's seventh round picks. So hopefully for the best. Did anybody take William Poos? No. Oh, that was a guy you liked. I liked him real quick. I think he might be able to. Uh, well, he might be one that you can, because he was a overager, so he might be able to get Sign signed yeah. after next draft. So he'll have to pass to the draft one more time. Okay. Keep an
0: eye on him, though. So how do you pronounce his last name? Is it actually just poos Pruce. Oh, there's an R in there. Yeah, Pruce. Oh, Pruce. Okay. Yeah. William Poos. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I, I was trying to like update my list the whole time as it was going through and just seeing which players I liked that were still passing through. That was fun. That was a fun part of the draft. All right. That's my favorite can I just quickly say my favorite thing about as soon as the first round ends? This is my favorite like my favorite thing to follow on Twitter all weekend long. It's Cam Robinson's best players available after round one. That's my favorite list of like all the draft. Like Cam has like his list of players that will be available on day two and seeing where they fall. That's my favorite part of the draft. You know who I like? Who's that? Brad Lambert at thirty by the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I like that too.
0: I, I again I don't want to get into it too much, but Winnipeg had two first round picks. Not bad. Tidy piece of business. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to take a break. On the other side, I want to talk about rating the Canucks at the draft fairly, Chris, and I'll get into that a little bit more. I've got a whole thing planned on that, but right now, we will take a break. So keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. All right, and a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Chris, I'm talking about this for a while, and I want to talk to you about it because I want to choose my words carefully here. And I just want to kind of go a little off the cuff and a little off the book here because I saw the reaction from fans on Twitter. And I don't know, and this isn't a criticism of any of our colleagues in the media, but I don't know if the mood has been correctly captured, if you understand what I mean. And what I do mean by that, Chris, is that if this was Jim Benning running this draft, right, and all of the things that we had seen leading up to the draft had taken place, all the JT Miller trade rumors, uh, all that sort of stuff, you you understand where I'm going with this. If exactly what had happened at the Canucks draft which can best be described as underwhelming, in my opinion, Chris, had happened, there would be an uproar, there would be banners, there would be protests, and I understand that part of that would be because it would be year eight of this, and I also understand that if Jim Benning was still at the helm, there's a lot of people that would tell you that JT Miller would have been extended on a bad contract by now, or something worse would have happened, or they would have traded all their draft picks. I don't want to get into that. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say, Chris, is that This was underwhelming at best, and there was a lot of buildup into this draft, and this isn't even mentioning what the heck happened with the New York Islanders, and we'll get into that later, but I just want to say and get this out there that this was an underwhelming draft. I understand that they made some good picks. I understand that Jonathan LeCaramacchi is somebody that a lot of scouts really like, but if you look at what the Canucks did at the draft as a whole, and I'm not trying to be negative, I'm just trying to be fair here. It was underwhelming. And let's be honest here. Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvina have come in and they've sold everybody on this, we have a plan and we're going to change everything around. And we've heard all this stuff about this roster is going to look completely different. As it stands, Chris, they are going to run it back with the exact same roster. What changes has there been? There has not been anything yet. And I understand you have to be patient, Chris. I'm not trying to say that right now, they're going to just going to run it back. Like, you should be worried about free agency. You should be worried about the rest of this offseason because nothing's going to change. But right now, as it stands, the draft is your chance to do something. And you brought up the potential of trading down, even in that fifth round when they selected Ty Young. None of that happened. It was underwhelming, Chris. There was no trades made. It was an underwhelming draft for the Vancouver Canucks. And again, this isn't even mentioning what happened with the Islanders, and we'll get into that, like I said. But... I think that because they're such good talkers, and yes, that wasn't Jim Benning's forte at the time. Because they're such good talkers, it almost feels like Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine are getting a bit of a free pass. And again, again, I'm not trying to say that this draft was an utter failure, but I'm not seeing any coverage that's saying this was an underwhelming draft and this was not a failure. But by their own words, they didn't really accomplish what they wanted to accomplish because Alvin was asked about what's your focus, and not necessarily at the draft. He's, he was asked what his focus was in the offseason, and the focus is still clearing cap space. They didn't do that. Like, they didn't acquire any picks, they didn't clear out any cap space. By their own admission, They have not accomplished what they are wanting to accomplish. They have not improved this roster. They have not improved the prospect cupboard further than the layups that were already there for them in drafting where they were set out to draft. They did not do anything to improve any of the things that they said they wanted to improve at. So I'm not seeing that talked about a lot. And I just think that if you're going to be, and again, I I don't want to say you're mean to Jim Benning, but if you're going to call it like you see it with Jim Benning, which I think... Jim Benning got fair coverage. I'm not here to say that Jim Benning was mistreated or anything for the job that he did. You need to hold this new management regime to the same standard. And all I'm saying is that if Jim Benning came in and did the exact same thing that we saw from Rutherford and Alvin this past weekend, it would be one looked at as a failure, and I don't even think you can call this a failure, but it would be looked at in a negative light. And I'm not sure if I'm seeing that in the same way. And again, I don't want to get into this whole Oh, well, you're just complaining for the sake of complaining because there's free agency ahead. Like, this could be a complete moot point by the time next week rolls around. And, you know, I understand that there might be new interest in JT Miller once teams are out on guys like Johnny Goudreau. Philip Forsberg's off the market now. There's a lot of different free agents out there. Even Evander Kane, you could throw his name in there. There's going to be teams that come circling back to the Canucks, but right now... I understand the Canucks didn't want to settle for an underwhelming return, which someone might argue that Jim Benning might have done. I understand the Canucks didn't want to do that, Chris, but right now the Canucks have not cleared out any cap space. They really haven't done anything under Alvin and Rutherford. You know, obviously Kuzmenko is a really tidy piece of work. It bodes well for the organization. That was a win by this management regime through and through. I'm not trying to complain about the current management regime. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to say that if we're going to be calling it like we see it, and we're going to be honest with our readers and our listeners, you need to hold this management regime at the same standard that we rated the last management regime at. And I understand that they're in their first year with a roster that's less than ideal. By their own admission, they've called it that. And I understand that they need a little bit of time. But the trade deadline, you flip Tyler Mott for a fourth-round pick, and Travis Hamanick, obviously, as well. There's that in there, too. That's a win, but it's not an A+. I don't think you can call that trade deadline an A+. I don't think you can call this draft anything better than a C+. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, this this weekend wasn't a failure. But it wasn't a failure, but, but it, it was a passing grade. No, but it's closer to a fail than it is getting 100%. Exactly. That's what I think. Like, this is closer to an L than it is a You're not making the honor roll with this draft. No. Yeah, exactly. Not uh, like, distinction like I did at BCIT. Not a big deal. But, um, <laughs> no, I think that, like... You you bring it up like, yeah, it's not this weekend that we just had or just, you know, the Thursday and Friday, the draft situation. It's not like a huge, it's not the huge knock against the management group yet. Totally, yeah. But but it is absolutely cause for concern that you weren't able to, you know, at the point where you see these type of trades, these type of players like JT Miller, this is where they get dealt. This is where Alex DeBrinket got dealt. This is where you can you see all of the deals kind of come together when the, when the manager groups are together here in one spot. The draft is the new trade deadline, and the Canucks weren't able to make it happen then with JT Miller. And you're right; like it's not a huge, it's not the biggest loss in the world that they weren't able to ha- make it happen right now because free is going to happen. And you're right; teams are going to circle around. But let's say the the Rangers were one of the teams that we've obviously heard rumored around the Vancouver Canucks a lot. What if Johnny Goudreau goes to the Rangers? Yeah. You've lost a team. And and a lot of these teams that are interested in JT Miller are going to be interested in a Nazim Qadri. They're going to be interested in these top players in free agency to help their team. And they're going to be able to get them for free instead of making trades. So they're going to be willing to pay a little bit more money than they are having to give up assets and then sign JT Miller. Yeah. You can do it cheaper, actually, this way in free agency. But you're getting a young... like. JT Miller is a little bit younger than some of these other players that you're going to see him for agency as well. So, I, I just, I yeah, I look at it, and I even look at the picks, and I say, okay, you know, there's there's some people that like the Gardner pick quite a bit. Um, the Elias Petterson pick at 80, that seem, you know, it's fun, it's great, we have two Elias Pettersons in the organization now, and maybe this guy works out, but, it's like... LeCaramaki's good. I think that, look like, listen, LeCaramaki is now the number one prospect in the system by a mile. It's not even close, and he's going to be the player that's really fun to watch. That's a huge win to get him at 15. I wouldn't have thought that the Canucks, uh, when it came out of this draft, with a player of that caliber. So that's a win for me. But the rest of the draft, yeah, you're you're right. Like, you couldn't trade into the second round and really get another high-end talent. You didn't draft a right-shot defenseman. You drafted a goalie in the fifth round that I think confused a lot of people on, like, I I do think of this draft being closer to an L than it is a dub like and and the whole weekend I look at it very much closer to a failing grade than what you said with honor roll like this this is you're right this is in the C tier for what you would grade them on the weekend because of a lot of things that either and it's not even about the things that happened it's just about the things that didn't happen when exactly. the Canucks need to make something happen and you're right you're you're about to run it back right now with Andre Kuzmenko who could end up being nothing like you know we think that he's a very skilled player and he's going to bring something and be an, an impact player at the NHL level to a certain degree but it's not for sure it's not for sure that he's going to be that and now you're going to have yeah it it is tough it's there's you're right like if you if you're looking at another regime doing this i think you do put a little bit of pressure on them, but at the same time, the spot that they've been put into with a lot of these unmovable contracts is is tough as well. Further to this, Chris, um, again, I'm not trying to rip
0: the current management regime. I am saying that the pressure is on a little bit, and I almost think it's just because of their inability to deal JT Miller, right? And I think, again, like there's a chance there's an extension, but all we've heard so far is that there's very far apart on an extension, which is expected, right? Like JT Miller's agent, Brian Bartlett is ready to cash in for his client. And rightfully so like there, there's a lot that goes into this and and part of it is talk of extension and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think that this was a loss for them at the draft. Like you said, it's closer to a loss than it is a win for them at the draft. But I think the pressure is on now with free agency coming up. Like they need to knock it out of the park. In free agency, if they're serious about changing the look of this team, then they need to actually do something. You can't just sit there and say, well, we're, we're waiting. We're going to make some smart moves on the side. It's not enough. It's just not enough. And again, you need to rate this team fairly. Your, your listeners, your readers, they deserve it. Like like They deserve to have honest coverage of this team. And again,
1: this isn't to come out and just start complaining and being negative. It's just a fact, matter of fact that... Well, it's just this team needs change, and we haven't seen it yet. Like, this is what the new management group was supposed to do, come in and bring change to make this team not be a team that sneaks into the playoffs one bubble year, and that's all they do under a regime. Like, there needs to be change. I We know that this is this team isn't a Stanley Cup competitor right and we when you I think when you see Trader Jim coming in and Jim Rutherford you get all excited because you're like he's going to take some risk he's going to take some risk with this team he's going to trade for some players he's going to make you know picks be swapped around and I think that's the thing that a lot of people were let down by is that it didn't happen this weekend when this looked like the stage for Trader Jim to like make his massive announcement here with the Vancouver Canucks and and really kind of steal the scene and then I think even just seeing like the water thrown onto the fire with Elliot Friedman reporting that, you know, something's happening on the floor here with the Islanders and the Canucks. And then it falls through. And the way that Lou Lamorello commented on it to say, ask Vancouver, why this trade like, or about the whole situation with the trade, like that was, it, 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 put a weird taste on the weekend for the Canucks. And, and like Lou could have like Lamorello could have just been like, Oh, like no comment or whatever. Nothing happened. But the way that he said, like, yeah, he's like, asked, talk to Vancouver. Yeah. Talk to Vancouver on why the trade that sure got leaked pretty quick. Yeah. And Lou Lamorello doesn't like a leak. We know Lou that road is not like leaks. No. Where's his depends. Okay. I just, <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I knew you were going to go there, but um, no, I think that I don't think that's nothing. Like, I don't think no, that's it, nothing it's not. at
0: all. And we'll get into that in a sec. The last thing I wanted to say, Chris, is this idea, and I, I think this is mostly posturing by the Canucks, but this idea that, well, we're in no rush to trade JT Miller. We could trade him at next year's deadline. What if he's injured? What if he... I, yeah, I hate that. What thought. if you're in a playoff spot? Are you going to trade JT Miller if you're in a playoff spot? Is, is that really going to be what happens? Because I don't think it is. And if you lose this asset that... We've talked about the price being sky high for if you lose this asset for nothing. That is unequivocally a failure for this management. Sure. management it's too regime. early
1: to think like that, but it's like you know what, like
0: it is. But but sorry, last year's trade deadline was the first chance they had. the The draft is their second chance. Free agency is coming up. That's their third chance. If they go into this season, that's their last chance. Chris, here's the last, we're, we're a lot yeah. closer to that than you think.
1: Yeah, here's the thing I'll say about JT Miller. is like listen the. Okay, when you didn't trade him at last trade deadline, you had to look at a team now that needs to trade and sign. Okay? If you yeah. would have traded him at last deadline, at the last trade deadline, you're trading him as a two-year rental at a player making 5.25. Massive value. Whatever he was. Top 10 in scoring. You were trading that guy for two playoff runs for a team. Now what you're doing is, yeah, you're trading him for a playoff run, but that's not the thing that matters anymore. The thing that you're trading JT Miller for is a team that wants to extend him. That, to me, that's a massive different look at what you can get for value back. I seriously think the Canucks needed to really, like at last year's deadline was the time that it needed to be for the most value. Because it, to me, that's when you were trading him as a two-year rental at $5.25 million for two playoff runs. That's massive value in JT Miller. And then they could have worked out a deal for him and an extension later. Now, it's all about the extension. Teams that are training for him don't just want him for one year because the value is not that high. Now teams need to get an extension for him. At last deadline, you didn't need that, and I think things have changed quite a bit on what the value for Miller might end up being. And I would hate to see it be underwhelming, but I wouldn't like it is more possible now to see an underwhelming return than it was months ago for JT Miller, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think and that's at, and that
1: sucks. That's. If that does happen, holy cow, man, that would be a massive failure. But you know what? A lot of these same things are being said about Joe Sackick and Matt Duchesne for a long time. And this is obviously a very different situation. But similar spots at the same time where did he hold on to Duchesne for too long? No, because he ended up getting a really good return in the end. Uh, So hopefully you can figure out the same thing with JT Miller. But if you're you're right, Quads, like if it doesn't happen, holy cow. Like this JT Miller thing is going to set up what this regime has looked at in Vancouver for the entirety of however long they're here. They need to knock this out of the park. I
0: I understand that my, I don't even want to call it criticism because it's really not criticism. It's just that we need to be ready, I guess, to rate this management group fairly because I feel like it's, you know, and again, not the, not the biggest Jim Benning fan myself, but I'd say bigger than others at points. (laughs) Um, We need to be ready to rate this management regime fairly. Like, your audience deserves that. They, they yeah, need I, your honest opinion. And my honest opinion is that it's not a failure yet. No. But we're on failure watch here, folks. Like, we're ready. We're ready to tell you that this management regime failed at something. Because, True. look, like, again, it, it's down the line, Chris. But if JT Miller comes into camp with no contract and your whole mindset is, oh, yeah, we can, we can move him at the deadline probably. Sorry, that's a failure.
1: Yeah. If if we do get to that point, I think you are worried. Because you're right. Like any if an injury happens or anything, like anything. There's simply... so many different
0: different uh possibilities. And okay, we'll get into this islanders thing. We'll get yeah, into it. Because you go it for it here. Happened at the draft floor. <laughs> I think, oh, the first half hour was you talking about prospects and then the last half hour was me talking about the draft, which you were at. But last uh last thing from me here on the uh, Islanders thing that we've seen. So basically, we've heard the whirlwind of rumors. We understand all of that. And the Islanders' 13th overall pick was reportedly in play. They traded it to get Alex Romanov from the Montreal Canadiens with the Montreal Canadiens, then flipped to get Kirby Duck. That's aside from the point. The main point here is, folks, before the draft started, Irfan Gaffar of the fourth period and Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet we're both talking about how the Islanders and Canucks were talking. And Friedman went so far as not only tweeting it, but saying it on the broadcast. Like, it's one thing if Friedman tweets, I understand. And again, this isn't to rip Friedman's reporting at all. But to say it on the broadcast as well, something was cooking. Something was going on there. And some sort of deal was going on. There were there were at least talks, okay? Now, according to Irfan Gaffar... The deal, or the offer, or whatever it was, was dropped in favor of the Romanov deal, but there seems to be more to it than that. And Friedman has been a little tight-lipped on this, but he said he's kind of gathering all his info, and he'll have more on it later. And we'll have to kind of wait and see what he says, because he's doing his work on it right now, and nobody really wants to talk about it. But basically, Alvin was asked by Friedman on the broadcast to talk about it, and he laughed and said no comment on that one. Okay, so that's what he said. He laughed, said no comment. Then later, in a press conference with the media or Scrum, whatever you guys did in Montreal, he said that there was no deal and he was surprised by the reports, which was very interesting, basically denying that anything happened at all. Now you go to the New York side, and Lou Lamorello is a little more pissed off about it, presumably. He says, talk to Vancouver. He's not going to talk about the drop deal. He's just going to say, talk to Vancouver about that And obviously, when you talk to Vancouver, they say that nothing was going on. So there's a lot to happen here. Now, the interesting wrinkle in this is Chris Boda, a former Islanders PR head, claimed that Vancouver had refused to let New York talk to Miller's agent about a contract extension and that that's where things ended. Now, I understand... That this is just a PR person, but you have to assume that's an educated guess when he's worked in hockey this long. And again, obviously worked with the organization in question. Now, that's the really interesting thing is Friedman talked about this more on the 32 Thoughts podcast, offers similar account. He said that one thing I think that is true is
1: that the Canucks aren't letting anybody talk to JT Miller about an extension. Which is wild, if I can cut in for a second. that That is the difference in the, like I said earlier, the difference in trading JT Miller now to what it was at the trade deadline. Now this main focus of dealing Miller from another team's point of view is to see if they can actually lock him in for a contract. And this, from Friedman and 32 Thoughts, when I read this, I was shocked.
0: Okay, I, I, I want to go further on this because Friedman said that Again, not to dispute Friedman's reporting, but I don't buy that. I don't, I don't buy it either. If I don't understand I, I can't why see that being true. I don't understand why the Canucks wouldn't let a team talk about an extension. But what I will say is, Patrick Johnson of the
1: Province then wrote something that I find a little more believable. train boy over here, PJ.
0: Train boy, what do you mean? He's
1: training in and out of Montreal. Says that's the way to do it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Good for PJ. had quite a few drinks with PJ. Well, was around PJ. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. I'm
0: I'm onto something here, so I want to keep going. Sorry, here. yeah, keep rolling. But you rolling. PJ wrote. My immediate questions are: Were the Canucks afraid that Lamarella would have sticker shock and decide to walk away at that point? Something that might send a ripple around the league and scare off any other potential suitors. Or is it possible Miller and his agent, Brian Bartlett, have set a high price in an effort to boss the situation, as has been happening in the NBA and in soccer, where the players have seized a great deal of control away from teams, a situation that the NHL has long been wary of? So basically, when the Islanders go to talk to JT Miller's camp about an extension, is it just a straight up, we are not re-signing with the Islanders, so you should not trade for my client? Is that what we're seeing? There's a lot of different things, but I don't think that's necessarily what happened here. And the only reason I say that, Chris, is because of that quote from Lamorello that said, talk to Vancouver. If it's an agent thing, I don't see it being uh, Lamorello giving the quote of talk to Vancouver. I think there's something going on on the team side here. We don't know what it is. We It could just be as simple as Lamorello doesn't like when trades get leaked and he won't deal with someone who's leaking trades. So, there's that potential as well. We're going to be wondering what if for a while here. We're hoping to have more clarity on the situation uh, as it kind of comes out. Trust me, I've done as much digging as I think I can on this. I'm, I'm still digging a little bit, but it's hard to gather info on this information. It's going to take someone kind of, um, you know, dialed in as much as Friedman is
1: to... I think he also said he was going to update it. He too, said right? he's going to have stuff on this. What so. a juicy little... That is Bro. a juicy see. that tidbit. I guarantee what well, that's probably all over uh, Taj's account, right? That oh, yeah. Oh, Taj's yeah. all over Taj that. is all over that, for yeah. sure. The second it came out of Freeman's mouth, it was probably on Taj's Twitter account.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but that's all I'll say on that. Uh, Islanders, Canucks apparently had something in place, and it didn't go through. Uh, what we do know, and I guess we don't know this for sure, uh, for legal reasons, is that, uh, you know, it, it does seem like the Canucks aren't being 100% honest in their... Um,
1: explanation of this in their situation. conversations with the media i don't think i think i agree with that i don't think
0: saying saying that
1: uh there i think was that no jim deal. Rutherford, i'm surprised
0: by the reports is yeah, a, little, and, a little
1: much especially when you see lamorello saying stuff like no he's and i mean hearing the way hearing the quotes that dolly is being given from jim rutherford it's like take take those with a grain of salt man he knows what he's doing at this point he's again
0: not, and, and you know what for for what it's worth and again i know and i don't want to say we've been ripping them but for what we've said about the Canucks management regime on this show today, they're trying to drive up value, man. Like, they're trying to drive up the value. And, again, like I said, I think it's posturing that they're saying that, oh, yeah, we can keep them till the trade deadline. It might just work. And who are we to fault them if it just works, Yeah, Chris? no, I,
1: and that's the thing. Like, if it does work, it's great. I just think it's, it's different for them right now because... This market is so engaged compared to what they had before. I, You know, so I was talking to a reporter from Pittsburgh who writes for one of the papers there in Pittsburgh at the draft, and we were chatting a little bit, and he was saying that, like, the the entry job into basically their whole news station, their sports department, is the Penguins. And I was like, Pittsburgh Penguins, like, He's like, so we'll have, like, five beat writers on the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll have a couple on some of the universities around there. And then, like, the lowest guy on the totem pole is the Penguins. Huh. Like, that's what they care about in Pittsburgh. This team that I, like, when I looked at Pittsburgh, I thought, okay, like, the Pittsburgh Penguins are big. In Pittsburgh, they're a good team. They want Stanley Cups. People are invested. He's like, no, the Steelers just plow through them. Like, the city, there's, there's one radio station in Pittsburgh that will not talk about the Penguins. Wow. This is what I was told. And, like, they just will not. They don't have time for it. They have so much content to talk about with the Steelers Seriously. that that's just what they do. And you look at it, and he says every day on a regular basis, you can write about. You know, one of your little CA articles about, I don't know, this guy showed up to this uh, restaurant when and they had steak. The One of your article, your little news stories here, you do that about the Steelers over there in Pittsburgh. They go crazy. If Kenny Malkin's leaving, the article they go doesn't crazy do crazy for get, it in Cook's Army, too. <laughs> yeah, I just got to say. T- I know. Like, <laughs> the whole Kuzmenko articles, those went nuts. Those were crushing. Nuclear. Um, but, yeah, I just... Interesting. I think it's a different market for these guys, and I think... It, Like, we've heard so much about how Rutherford, like, is with the media, and he's too honest at times. I think he's noticed, like, maybe I shouldn't be that too honest type Mm -hmm. anymore because that's going to... I think he's playing the. I think he's playing his cards right with Vancouver. I think media. so. Again, I think he's doing a good job is. that way.
0: And all I will say about this situation is this is something that was made for
1: botch, and it's one of those oh, times. God, you I miss him a lot. I heard a lot of really fun stories at the draft, like really brought yeah. like huge smile on my face at the draft. Hearing people's stories about like I can't even repeat a lot of them, but like <laughs> there, yeah, just uh, it was just kind of funny. Like when you get all of the NHL media together. Uh, there was some really funny, some funny stuff. And a lot of, you know, when people hear that you're from Vancouver and introduce yourself, like, they always want to, like, tell you a Bosch story, which was awesome to hear. So, uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: Definitely. this is a story that this was made oh, God, for Bosch, man. Oh, man, it sucks. It sucks, man. It, it sucks so much. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know where you really go from there,
1: but this is a story we're going to follow closely. Um, Yeah, and it's developing. That's the thing, like, we're in the early stages of, It's weird because we're in the early stages of the final destination for JT Miller still, right? Like, you could call it, you know, last trade deadline being the early stages, but not really because that didn't mean anything. The Trading him for two playoff runs doesn't mean anything anymore. Now it's about trading JT Miller for a team that wants to extend him. And getting the most value from that. So we are in the early stages now of the next cycle of JT Miller trade talk, which is like, oh, even saying that is like, it sucks. Cause like, let's just get this freaking thing over, over with. with, dude. Let's see what's moving forward, what you're getting in return. Are you going to have a partner for Quinn Hughes down the road? Why didn't you draft a right D in the damn draft? Like, let's answer some freaking questions here, but let's do, all right, let's wrap up uh, just quick development camp. We're going to be out there a whole bunch here. Um, and, I'll just go through the roster, a couple names I really want to keep an eye on. So we saw some names actually added to the roster, which I find a little bit interesting. I've already heard about a couple players from some people. Uh, Ian Murphy's one that's a good example to keep an eye on. I guess he's a player that kind of grew up with uh, with McDonough and Jack Rathbone, actually, which is kind of a cool story. They're another hometown kid going to be joining them. He's a forward uh, in Murphy, but the defenseman that I want to talk about real quick uh, is Chad Nychuk, who, interesting, 21 goals in 64 WHL games. He's more than a point-per-game player as a defenseman in the WHL. Will be really interesting to see what he looks like at camp. Like, he should be one of the better puck-moving defensemen, I would assume, and must have a pretty damn good shot to score 21 goals in the WHL. Uh, so he's going to be another player that I'll definitely be keeping an eye on. It's It's great to see that they're actually just finally getting back to development camp here. You're going to have to see uh, Archdeep Baines, Arvid Kosmar is on that list, Lucas Forsell, like a lot of these top-end players finally getting together. The names that we've been talking about at Canucks Army and talking about on these prospect reports for so long, all going to be in one place. We're going to have media with them as well. Like I uh, it's I told you, Quads, like this this whole week here is basically like my Christmas of the NHL like offseason. I love that I was able to go for the draft, but I've been looking forward to this development camp for a long time and we're finally going to get the opportunity uh the players that i just think have to stick out and be at the top tier obviously aiden mcdonough is the big name that pops off uh rc baines is the other one linus carlson's the other name that uh kind of the forward group that you want to see play really well obviously now with jonathan lekaramaki how does he look like how does he compare to a danila klimovich that's what we're going to really keep an eye on for sure and then the defenseman like you know, Yanni Yermo, I'm actually pretty happy that he's going to be here, get an opportunity to see what he looks like, uh, as well as Jacob Truscott and uh, Quinn Schmineman, uh, which is the name that I struggle with the absolute most, the recent signing uh, for the AHL team. See how he kind of shapes up as well. Uh, and then, of course, your goalies. I know you're absolutely going to keep an eye on your goalies, and you get to see your boy Aku Koskenvo uh, and Archer Silov. So ton of uh, great names to keep an eye on. Right now, as we come up to this camp, we're going to be there, I think, 9 o'clock. It's like 9.30 to basically 12.30, uh, Monday to Thursday. Uh, and then we have media right after that every day, uh, and I think media after both skates because there's two different skates on all the days. So tons of content is going to be coming up. I know that we'll be crushing the videos like we normally do at these camps like that. So we'll have a bunch of stuff out there, but it's 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 going to be great. Like nice to finally see development camp coming back together. Uh, I don't I'll let you speak a little bit. I I know that you get a chance to <laughs> get a chance to finally see your boys here. Like Laws kind of has to be like, the dude of the goalie group now. It's like, because Mikey DiPietro has always been this guy for the young guys of, like, egging people on. And maybe you can comment on the Mikey spot for the fact that he's not here as well. But your boy, Archer Selaw, your son. He's going to be, like, the leader of the group here, uh, which is, you know, Ty Young, Samuel Richard, who, uh, out of the queue, which I don't know anything about, uh, and Brett Brochu, Out of the OHL. So they got some CHL goalies coming in, which is uh, obviously good news. But, you know, Artie's going to be the man out there at camp this week.
0: He's going to be basically what Mikey DiPietro was at rookie camp last year,
1: right? Where it was like, whoa, this guy's a step above everybody
0: else, right? Not even just goalies, skaters as well. He looked above everybody else. And and you asked me to comment. uh, Yeah, so obviously C-Loves is going to be a big part. Uh, He's going to be the guy we're all watching. Or at least I'm watching a lot. But... Mikey Di Pietro's absence, I got asked about this, so I did confirm it with a few different people that you should not be reading into this further than Mikey has already been to, like, two or three of these. Like, the, the rookie camps and all that sort of stuff. You know, he's been a pro for, what was his first year? Three years ago? Yeah. So he's not really uh They don't really view him as somebody who should be coming to this. And Archer's on the other hand, just had his first pro season... Um, With the Abbotsford Canucks, and obviously he's somebody that they believe a lot in, and again, I don't think uh, you need to be reading further into Mikey. You, You can if you want to. I've just been told that the reason is just that Mikey's been to so many of these, and he doesn't really need to fly out from Ontario to come to UBC.
1: All right, so yeah, just finally, I mean, it, it's just going to be good to get them out there. I, I talk about this every day on the prospects report, so we're going to have a lot more uh, on the pod here as well as well as Canucks Army. That's where the content's going to just be flowing this week. Because this is, I like I said, quads when I was on my little rant here. This is uh, this is my Christmas. As much as I was excited to be in Montreal for the draft, this is what I live for. This is what this whole prospect segment is all about. Uh, and we get all the players here in one spot. I have um, I have a box of. Um cinnamon toast crunch churros for our boy uh Jacob Truscott, who meant who was blown away by them. Uh so I've got a box to bring to to huh. Truscott uh, uh, when we get the media availability for him uh tomorrow on Monday. So hopefully uh, he enjoys that and finally gets a chance to try out these cinnamon toast crunch uh churro flavors, which he said he was shocked by on this podcast months uh maybe some years ago actually now. Huh.
0: That's amazing.
1: All right. We'll close it out. Uh do you have anything else to add? We're here's, gonna do Yeah. Okay, let's say that you have two teams, right, at this yeah. development camp. You need two captains from the whole development camp. Who are you picking? Who Two who, captains. So, so, yeah, like, we're not going to split them and make you choose for a team, but two players that would be captains. Archer Seelovs is one. Okay, yeah, of course. Uh, is the no, other. you can't do that.
0: <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, I have to. I'll order. go first. I'll let you yeah. pull up
1: the list here. Okay, my first vote for captain would be Chase Waters. He would be my first pick. Uh, to be a captain on this team. And then second one would be Aiden McDonough. I would say the two captains, the two leaders that I think, and, and I think we'll see them be leaders at this camp, um, specifically Waters. It's just you watch Waters in, like, the AHL, and he's already a leader at those practices. Uh, and I think is a guy who is really trying to relish that role of being a leader as well. So he's also been to a development camp. Like, if you remember 2019, you know, there was actually a development camp. Uh, so... I think uh, I'm keeping an eye on those two being big names to kind of be leaders at this camp. Chase Waters, Aiden McDonough, what about you?
0: I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. I was going to say ArchD Baines, maybe. I like him. He's a good dude. Uh, local kid. But yeah, it's probably those two, right? Like, those are veteran prospects, I guess you could call them. Like, Aiden McDonough's going to be a captain. Chase Waters already was a captain. Again, he's played pro. That's Those are probably the two best options on this list. Like, you know maybe maybe you look down a little bit and you say, you know someone a little bit off the board, like I don't know, maybe Linus Carlson maybe Linus Carlson, there's I think you basically nailed it like if there are two captains on this at this development camp, which we don't know there will be. I think it's those two guys. Like, those are your two leaders for these prospects, right? Like, yeah. those are going to be the two guys that other prospects are okay, talking so, to and using as a sounding board. Same with Archer Sealows for all the goalies. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm not even joking. I know, I'm not I even doing a bit.
1: All right. Let's uh, go with one underrated name to keep an eye on. I'll start. Uh, I'll go with Niels Uh I think watching him and, 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 you know, play uh, at the SHL level last year was, you know, there's some things that you really liked about the way that he moves. And I think. Those type of players we saw with Will Lockwood at training camp last year, those type of players really stand out in these camp situations. So I'm going to keep my eye on Neil Zalman. I think he's going to have a really good little development camp here. I'll go with Quinn Schmeeman. Okay. That's a good call. And the reason I say that, Chris, is because
0: he led all Blazers defensemen in goals, assists, points, and penalty minutes, right? And he's going to have Victor Perishon alongside him, right? So – He's a name I'm gonna watch because I think he kinda of went under the radar a little bit to kind of sign this player. I'm gonna be really interested to see what he looks like at well, this camp. and People
1: told me like I I've had multiple DMs about Chad Nychuk too, who I think led the WHL in scoring from defenseman if I might be wrong with that, but I feel like I've heard people say that He had twenty one goals for a defenseman in the WHL. So excited to see what he looks like as well. And I kinda of, I know I mentioned him on my little initial rant there, but that's another one I'll keep an eye on but yeah, Neil Zellman's like Excited to so see what he does, and then obviously Lucas Forcell. I, I really am curious to see how he looks compared to these guys. Uh, the rest of the prospects here, so yeah, a lot of exciting things, man. It's exciting, and we're going to be there. Well, since we're recording this on Sunday, which by the way, it feels super weird. Oh, it does like normally Sundays are I do the mailbag and I would be working some stupid shift at six fifty or I do Sunday night baseball or something. So it's nice to not have any of that. I'd do the podcast instead, so that's good. And I'm gonna go relax. Go see. Um, I'm gonna go see my mom because I haven't seen her and. You know, few weeks now since I've been on the trip because I've been gone. I was gone. On, I was on the road for 15 days. Can I tell you something real quick before we wrap up? So, on the road for 15 days. You know what I'm gonna miss yeah. is like a nice. The thing about hotel rooms that are so good are when the AC's on, it cools down so fast, right? Like I'm gonna miss that, like coming home to just like a nice cold AC room uh, every night. So like I got to deal with my crappy AC down there uh, in the South Building, but. Uh we'll see how it goes. I, I am gonna miss that part though. And I had a king size bed on my own for the last seven days in Montreal. So that's nice. I'm gonna miss that too. Yeah. Big time. All right. Fair enough. But it's man. good, man. That flight that last flight back, I tell you, holy cow. All right. It took forever. Good to be back.
0: Good development camps,
1: more. What are you doing over there? You're on TikTok again. No, I'm not on TikTok. Yeah, you are. You're I, flipping I'm through. I'm trying you're... to make sure
0: we don't miss anything for the pod. And no, someone, you're not. I was replying to one of our listeners on Twitter who DM'd, or not DM'd, replied to us and said, When's the pod dropping? Because it's one o'clock and you're sitting here talking about, I don't know what. You say I talk about Addison Ray. What's the older equivalent of
1: that? Britney Spears? I'm not talking about Britney Spears. Well, I'm not talking about Addison Rae. Well, yeah, because you're looking at her on TikTok. You're scrolling through her, her fan pages. You're you're trying to follow along with All, I, go to the, Britney I, all Spears I see over there is case. these stars popping up and these renegades and these arms swinging around and whatever's happening over there. I can't <laughs> see what's going on. It's zooming in on her. She's got, I don't know, just flipping her hair around or something over there. Get this. Yeah, wrap this up. All
0: right. Good episode, Chris. Uh, For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is Dave Quadrelli. I was not watching TikTok. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button
1: to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?